0: This episode of the Ask the Masters podcast is being brought to you by Pentair. Welcome to this week's episode of the Ask the Masters podcast. My name is Dave from Fluid Dynamics Pool & Spa, and this week I sit down with Tom from Pentair. Tom has been in the industry forever. Any of you that have met Tom realize that he is one of the smartest men in the industry. We talk about the history of automation, a really, really fascinating discussion about where automation came from, the different manufacturers involved in it, how the automation systems have developed, and where automation is going in the future. Stay tuned to this really interesting episode. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Masters podcast. This podcast is dedicated to discussions about the design and construction of water shapes. The hosts of the show are all certified SWD masters who represent the leading builders and designers within the water shaping industry today. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Ask the Masters. Um, I um, have the pleasure of speaking with one of the smartest guys in the pool industry, if you ask me. Uh, so I've got Tom Shandians from Pentair here today. We're going to talk about automation. So uh, tell us a little bit about you, Tom, and uh, introduce yourself and uh, kind of how you got
1: into the industry. And, and, you know, I know you were three when you started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an old guy now. Hello everyone. My name is Tom Shane Dints with uh, Pentair San Diego. Uh, Address is United Airlines. Do a lot of travel. <laughs> Started in the swimming pool business back in uh, about '78 when I got to California in the early '70s from the state of Missouri. For those of you that wow. don't know where that's at, it's Missouri. Got into the industry uh, through solar. So I was we were a solar uh, manufacturer of glass over copper and designing up systems. Uh, where we would be a parasite off of that tank of energy through heat exchangers for domestic hot water, hydronic heating, baseboard, pools and spas, as well as domestic hot water. And we got into the pool business of putting uh, solar panels on roofs and heating the pool. Cool. And that was in the old days when, you know, now
0: we have the the plastic exchangers and, and the tube exchangers, but that's the old days when they... You really got some real water temperature in those glass and copper pieces.
1: You bet. Yeah, we were harvesting the BTUs at between 160 180 degrees again would be in a parasite off of that body of water with the heat exchangers for all those various different heatings. So you've been you've been a part of automation really, I mean, since
0: since the get-go um, because that's those are not Dumb systems, you know, there, there's, there's a piece of automation even in solar
1: and all of that way back in the 70s. That Boy, Dave, I tell you, that's, that's very correct. As, as with the, uh, the controllers back in those days for domestic hot water of those high temperatures, because anything above 104 degrees is considered to be high temperature, especially when you get to 130 to 180 And in harvesting those BTUs with a differential controller, I was very instrumental in the help in the process of many times helping design those systems so that they work efficiently and how to make sure you make it dance between tank to tank in order to recover and harvest those BTUs. Wow.
0: So even back, you know, what's that, 40, 45 years ago, uh, you're starting to play with automation. So, um... Let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of the advent of automation and, and kind of the history of how, uh, you know, you yourself personally, and, but then how that kind of grew into, you know, kind of the, the heyday that we're in right now. I mean, automation is really becoming pretty mainstream, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a good thing for the industry, but I want to
1: learn, you know, where it all began and, and what was some of the impetus to get started. It was a great song, Where It All Began by the Eagles, so... Yeah, 1975 is when Peter Peter Baica was a gentleman who brought automation into the swimming pool business and he he was able to escape hungry at the time and got to Canada and then moved into San Jose, got in the United States and was was cleaning swimming pools while mm. he was um, while he was getting his engineering degree. Okay which was very cool back in those days. And what he saw was that you had to have two separate sets of equipment because there wasn't a three-way valve made, which meant that you had to have gate valves, a lot of gate valves. And mm-hmm. homeowners, when they have a little salt on a rim and lime on the edge, they would forget which one's the turn, and many times they would deadhead the pump. And, of course, we know it was what, we understand what happens with that filter. It separates. And so that's when Peter came up with the idea of making a valve operator, designing it up a three-way valve in conjunction with a valve uh, with a three-way valve in order to move that water with one set of equipment.
0: Yeah I remember I started in service in early 90s and uh, at that point um, you know we still had some of the the four gate valves for backwashing DE Mm -hmm. filters and even as a professional um, doing it all the time I had to actually think about it, you know, and and follow the path of water and everything. So I can only imagine the nightmares that that had caused earlier.
1: Sure. And at the time too, it was a lot of copper plumbing. Yeah. A lot of expensive valves. A lot of expensive valves. And then you look at the heaters they didn't have, they were all brick inside that heater, fire brick. So it absorbed that heat. So when you turn the pump off then wired away, that heat would migrate down the pipe and it would melt things if you had PVC. And many folks were starting to move to that at the time so with the uh, with the control system, it helped manage all of those different resources, so we didn't have those problems with the after effects of the pump doing damage. it would be knocking and it would be spitting and carrying on like you know those heaters did back in those days
0: sure so really automation started with the advent of the three-way valve i mean that was the first foray into what we would consider automation these days
1: yeah you know i I guess we could say that uh but before that the automation was a you go because come springtime you go to the circuit breaker box turn on the breaker for the pump and you turned it off at labor day wow so yeah. the, and and that, was in the, that was back in the days. That was when that's the way it was done. Some places in the United States, it's still done that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember, I know in the in the California code book, uh, you know, one of the things in California we have to do is you have to have a timing mechanism. I remember reading that and thinking, you know, I've been in the industry a while. I don't, <laughs> that, that just seems second nature to me. So, you know, I mean, really three-way valves and the advent of the timer was the initial uh, you know, the old yellow intermatic timer uh, that, that we all are so familiar with. That grew was, up on that, yep. Yep, that was the beginning of automation and how far we've come. So um, let's talk a little bit about how did we get from the three-way valve and then the Chardonnay actuators and then, you know, really everything just started to to get more complex and, and um, was it – was it more consumer-driven uh, in that the consumers wanted more uh, freedom? Uh, or was it just a bunch of you engineers getting around going, hey, I think
1: we could do something cool here? It was a little bit of both. The latter is the, tr- is the fact. It was so hard in those days to have builders embrace technology. Mm. They still wanted to go out there and start the car up, cranking it. Sure. They did. It was very difficult for them to even fathom the whole idea about flip-flop or, uh, uh, microprocessor technology in order to transmit a signal from one end of the house all the way out low voltage to the other, out to the equipment pad in order to turn things on and off. They just just didn't want anything to do with that. All they saw that there was this is going to be this problem, this is going to be this problem, who's going to do this, and they just pushed back on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we even see that today. Uh, You know, I mean, you guys brought out the Intelliflow pump. I mean, how many years has that been now? 12 years? Um, 2005. 2005. So, yeah, 14 years. And, you know, I was one of the early adopters. Being in California, we pay so much for electricity here. So it made a lot of sense for me. But, uh, you know, I know that the industry as a whole really pushed back on that. And there's still some pockets of the industry that that push back. It's just... Yeah, the the, uh, the implementation of technology is, it, it's game-changing. Uh, and, um, you know, I know some of the newer systems coming out are really simplified down to try and get over some of those hurdles. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's really one of the things that our industry needs to embrace a whole lot more. I mean, the world is moving to automation. You know, you've got, you know, light switches and, you know, you can... Go by your your thermostat learns your you know when you come home and when to have the air conditioning turned up and down. It's all it's all moving in that direction. Um, The pool industry it it, it's already there um, with some of these advanced controllers, uh, but the industry as a whole is not necessarily implementing as as well as I would like to see.
1: We sure did learn a lot very beginning in 2005 with that pump. And especially because it, we had brought out two pumps, the 4x160, and then we had the variable flow pump. And every pool is based on flow. Mm-hmm. It's all based on the water going to the vector of the cleaner, of the skimmer, excuse me. And then the cleaner requires X amount of gallons per minute, the heater, water features. That was all based on flow. So that uh, the industry had a hard time understanding going from RPMs to GPMs. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of pushback. And the return on investment is something they had a hard time understanding or the cost of doing nothing by, by using a magnet motor for the efficiencies of saving energy and slowing the water down. And that the, in those days, it was the, the biggest dilemma was that if you had a pool in a spa, you had a two horsepower pump on it. Sure. So now you're filtering the pool at a two horsepower pump when it only needed 32 to 35 gallons a minute. Yeah. That's where the variable speed or flow came into play. And for me, you know, I grew up back east. I grew up in Buffalo.
0: And so um, we had the Niagara River. And so electrical rates, in at least in and around Buffalo, are nothing. Uh, and so what worked in California as far as talking about people about, you know, where we pay $0.35, $0.50 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity, you put one of these pumps on and the ROI is pretty quick. Uh, and so that argument works some you know, for some markets, but a market like in Buffalo where they pay $0.02 a kilowatt hour, the ROI is crazy. But what I discovered after we put them in there is that Everything gets so much better. The water quality, everything gets better when you slow that speed down. So not only are you saving electricity, which may or may not be a driver for people, the way I describe it to clients is is if you take a hose uh, and turn it on full blast and you put a rag over the top of it, you know, if it's on full blast, you're blowing some of that water through the rag. Uh, But if you slow it down, the water just absorbs into the rag. And so that's always been a visual that's worked for me uh, and how it equates in in a pool pump is if you're running full speed or too fast, you're pushing some of the dirt through the elements of the filter. And if you just slow it down, the filtration gets better. Your water quality gets better. Chemical dispersion gets better.
1: Everything just gets better. So it's, 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 it's game changing for the industry. Dave, you're spot on. I mean, the more the water is moving in the vessel, the cleaner and healthier the water. And one of the dilemmas that the industry had a hard time understanding was something called the affinity law. Mm -hmm. And when mathematics are applied, it does work. So by cubing the power and savings, you can run it longer at a lower RPM, keep the water moving so you don't have those dead spots, so the water doesn't channel. If you slow the water down too much, you can channel that water where it does not mix up correctly in the vessel, so you keep that... A good, clean, healthy, heated body of water.
0: Sure, uh, I think suction side cleaners help out with that a lot too. Uh, you know, just allowing the, the the cleaner to move across the floor of the pool. Oh, yeah. um, uh, but the other thing too that that most people don't talk about is that, you know, in a typical single speed pump situation, you have your pump running six hours a day. Uh, and, And, you know, for a time, even Southern California Edison, the electrical company, they were recommending a six hour a day turnover. Well, that leaves the pool running or sitting stagnant for 18 hours a day. And that's where a lot of the problems come in, as opposed to if we can stretch it out and run the pump 20 hours a day you can actually save a little bit of electricity um the noise pollution is a huge thing um, just the the ability to have it quieted down you're not listening to the drone of a single speed pump so um, that's to me that it, it, it it's all encompassing just that technology
1: yeah you figure back in 75 when peter started a uh, comp pool back in those days with the first automatic system out there where it controlled the pumps and the heaters mm-hmm. and the, the valve operators and water features. There was a lot of changes between then and now. And you figured in those days that those motors, they were all open drip motors, which we still have today. And, of course, an open drip motor that's there for breathing, it's meant meant for venting because the motor gets hot. And heat is a byproduct of inefficiency. Mm. And that's what eats up a lot of electricity. You're not using it all to fully to its to its full extent. So in those days, it was a lot of fun of, uh, before the IntelliFlow pumps of just bringing technology into the business and, and having a lot of uh, builders embrace it, but men, just as many of them were pushing back from it also. Today, it's just understood. Sure. Uh, you figure in, that, in 2003, uh, there was PDAs, and that was a pretty advanced little product. But by 2007, when iPhones came out, 2007, 2008... That's when everything went vertical for the simple reason that people were forced into understanding technology because that's where it was going. Everybody, had, no matter what your job was, if you were in an office, you had a computer. Yeah. So they had to start learning it. And then when they started learning the capabilities of it, what we started doing in 75, it finally caught up. And now it's pretty much an accepted thing that everybody wants to have that, that automation in their, in their home in order to manage, uh, especially for us, managing the resources of that pool. Now, here's a quick word from Pinter.
2: We've recently come out with the IntelliCenter, which is kind of the heartbeat and the pulse of the future of the pool pad for the pool industry and for us as a company. Um, Technology is changing, you know, at a very rapid clip. Probably faster now than it has in my lifetime, for sure. Um, and the challenge as a manufacturer with that is, if you produce something today, tomorrow it may potentially be outdated. Um, with a new controller that we have, it has the ability to push updates to it, similar to the apps on your iPhone or your droid. Um, Anytime there's an update to an app, it automatically pushes the latest software to it. So it's relevant to what's going on today. The IntelliCenter platform has the ability to do that as well. Probably the most innovative product in the pool industry um, since the variable speed pump.
0: Yeah. We started using them uh, early this year, early 2019. Uh, And we've got a few of them out there in the field and just, the the user interface is amazing the setup wizards uh, the fact that it's all completely simplified Uh, you've made it um, automation used to be a, a bit cumbersome sure. uh, as far as getting it set up. And and it used to be a real steep learning curve, you know, especially starting to get real complex into macros and things right. like that. Um, you know, Screen Logic was a great step in the direction of being able to bring that onto the desktop and simplify a lot of it. Uh, but it seems like that the IntelliCenter, it doesn't seem like the IntelliCenter is completely taken everything you guys have learned and integrated it into one touchscreen out at the uh, the equipment pad which is one of the things that I loved about the easy touch, the easy touch had the, the interface out at the pad and you know, you, right. you didn't have to have a mobile board Correct. that you had that you plugged in. Uh, and, and the IntelliCenter is just taking it that next step. It's all touchscreen. You have setup wizards. It walks you through the whole process of getting it up and running. It's really, it, in my mind, it's game changing for the industry.
2: Well, and, and uh, I would agree with that, not only because I've worked with Pentair. Um, but, um, in the years gone by, we've had the IntelliTouch, and we have the Easy Touch, and our competitors have systems that are, that are automation systems. And when something changes, or there's a new product out that's out there, your only option was to either update or replace the microchips on a board, or come out and do something called flashing the software. Those days are gone with the IntelliCenter because of the automatic push update. So it's it's a it's a, it's an exciting time in the pool industry. It is. It's because.
0: You're you're no longer purchasing a static piece of equipment. Correct. You're purchasing something that is going to grow with the with the technological technology. advancements. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And and um, let's talk a little bit about. Kind of what you guys are integrated into that. You know, you've got the Intelli level now, you've got IntelliCam, you've got, you know, it, it's all coming under one umbrella and it's all, it's all coming together with the Intelli Center. Right.
2: So a lot of the devices that we've, we've developed and are out today, like the Intelli level, um, is an automatic um, auto leveler for the pool that stands either on a static water line or, or on a suction side line so it'll only feed water when the pump is not running. Um, that integrates with the IntelliCenter. There's some technology built into that. Um, when you're programming the system, if it feeds more water than, than what is considered normal by the system, a little bit of AI built into it, it will send a signal and say, hey, we're, we're moving more water into this pool on a daily basis than we were two weeks ago. Wow. Do you have a leak over at the equipment pad? Is water gushing on the side of your house? Is water running down the hill? Um, so not only is it a water leveler, but it's also it's got some built-in safety features to it to to make you as aware as you want to be as to what's going on with the swimming pool.
0: Yeah, and IntelliTouch started playing around with that with some of the uh, alerts that it would send out sure. for pump alerts and everything and that's that seems to me to be kind yeah. of as a builder that has to warranty it uh, and as the field guys that are servicing it to be able to know before your client knows that something is happening and to be able to get text alerts or email you choose your interface i mean that that's such a great advancement that i've really liked
2: well it's a game changer and from from the builder standpoint or from a service standpoint it separates you from from the competition out there because you know that 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 ron newman had a problem with his pool pump or his autofill before Ron Newman had a problem. So you already have a solution before I even know there's an issue. So um, that is one beautiful thing about the Screen Logic and the IntelliCenter. It does have built-in safety email alerts where it can email out if there's a problem with an IntelliLevel. In the future, if there's a problem with a valve actuator, there'll be an alert for that. There's a alerts f- um, for the chemical or IntelliChem, our, commercial, our residential um, chemical controller. So there's a, there's a lot of great safety that's built into the system that's only going to continue to grow on that platform. Let's go back to those early comp pool systems and kind of
0: some of the rudimentary things. You know, how did that grow into now I can, you know, have an app and tell it I want the, you know, red, white, and blue in the pool lights. Uh, you sure. know, that's that's a big stretch. So so walk me through that kind of the, the
1: maturing of it. Sure, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, there's a one of my I work with a lot of very smart folks, so I'm very I'm pretty fortunate to work with some very talented people. And Kevin Murphy is one of those guys, and he's still with us today. Kevin and I are too, still the original from ComPool. and Kevin uh, was always a very forward-thinking guy when it came to technology, and he understood it. He understood every facet of it and all of the capabilities that it could do and what we could do with it, with it in the swimming pool business. So as we moved forward, by oh it was. 19 late 90s, we were already inf- interfacing with computers hmm. in those days, and that was that was pretty cool stuff. We had simulators that were on the on the screen that you could actually. We couldn't touch it; you'd have to hit it with a mouse. But it but they worked very well, so um, things started developing from that. Waiting for technology out of Silicon Valley, because that's where we were at, and we were right on the heart with all of the all of the. Uh, companies of today that were starting out then, and they thought we were pretty smart folks back in those days. It was very interesting in having conversations with some of the notables that were in that area at the time. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. And, and not only did we learn from them, uh, but they also learned a lot from us at the same time. So it grew right into, uh, into the computers with smart home technology by the late 90s, and that was the Crestrons and Fast and the Control, and now Control 4 wasn't there yet. However, all those smart homes, they were just starting to, on the horizon of being developed. And uh, a lot of them, for instance, on Lutron, they were just a lot of low-voltage wiring going throughout, structured wiring throughout the house. They were one of the first companies to bring that into the business. So we, um, we, uh, we pushed hard for it, and we found, always found a little niche, some folks that wanted to embrace that. And, of course, there were homeowners at the time that really liked this new technology, and they were asking for it. Uh, so it, it really helped at the time. For us to move forward to what we're at today. So some
0: of the big players early on, um, obviously, uh, I, I believe Ortega was the first three-way
1: valve, correct? Yeah, Bob Bob Ortega and Peter collaborated because Peter had the idea after he was cleaning swimming pools that we need to condense from one set of two sets of equipment down to one, and make sure the spa is tied into the pool. And after doing that, uh, and he went to uh, he had an idea on the valve and. Bob had some money to be able to make that valve, because we needed it in brass too at the time, especially mm-hmm. as a solar, because we had a solar differential controller in oh, our I first system called the M1, and that solar differential controller was uh, harvested the BTUs, but we were using glass over copper until the plastic panels, when Fafco was one of the big first companies that came out doing that. So it was, uh, it was an interesting ride back in those days with Bob, and Bob had an idea, and, and I Peter made the first valve operator, and then we kept advancing on the, on the three-way valve on the Ortega. And uh, we came out with our own valve. That was the Y valve, and that was the best-flowing mm. valve. still is today, but we don't make it because everybody said it's too hard to plumb because it was in a Y configuration. So how did, the evolve, how did automation evolve to where it's at today? Uh, Compo being the first company out there. And then Jandy came into play. And uh, we had an idea with Jandy on the three-way valve. And we took the center barrel on the Ortega and we moved it up to the side. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jandy had money back in those days. They still do today. And they, they went ahead and developed that, that three-way valve. And then we put the actuator on it. And, then of course, we used theirs on our system till we had our Y valve. Then, of course, they developed, uh, we helped them develop their JI, the first system, because we were going to, we were collaborating with each other. I think they, at the time, I think they thought that they were going to purchase each other and merge, and it didn't happen, which is fine. Uh, It didn't happen, and they're a good competitor. They're a good company. There's no doubt. And so then Goldline came out. Goldline was a differential manufacturer for solar controllers, and they Mm -hmm. had, that was, in the early day, was called Independent Energy. Oh, Wow. Is what Goldline happened to be, and uh, oh, I forget the gentleman's name. Uh, sorry, he um, he went ahead and bought all the other uh, all the other investors out, and so then he started. He stayed with Goldline, which was the product name, as opposed to Independent Energy. Independent Energy had some other controls too, and he took that and ran with it, and then eventually sold that to Hayward.
0: Yeah, and Goldline really. Um they were a solar company mm-hmm. uh, primarily weren't they mm-hmm. at the beginning because uh, i remember i remember way back when when i was cleaning pools um the the gold line temp sensors were always the best on the market mm-hmm. uh, you know there was uh, every manufacturer kind of had some challenges with it but theirs was always kind of the standard because they had come out of solar uh, you know and then they mm-hmm. came out with their salt system and then hayward kind of uh, joined the automation game, uh, probably late 90s mm-hmm. it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by that point, you guys had really kind of established what the parameters for automation were, being able to turn the spa on and off remotely, being able
1: to trigger the heater. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the start of the future for everybody, understanding what technology could do for them. To take away the inconsistencies of making mistakes, where you could suck the spa dry because you didn't turn the valve operator the right way, you had to go back and put your wet hands in a time clock that had that, that card that's supposed to protect the yeah, line exactly. and the load on it. Uh, and, of course, we had the Black Widows in there, and you got the spiders and the snakes and everything else that's out there behind the scenes. It, it took all that away from the, from the problem of making—we owned all the patents in the industry back in 75. So all those patents Peter had, had applied for that, that, that were very instrumental in, in having a good, clean, healthy body of water and making it safe so that the pump would run longer— if once the, once the spa shut off so that we didn't have that heater and the heat migrating back down the pipe and melting the backwash valve on the DE filters. Mm-hmm. So th- those, those things were very important back in the day, and that's, they're still being used today. That same footprint, the same understanding of how the hydraulics, because after the three-way valve was made, we taught the industry how to hydraulically, truly hydraulically plumb a pool. And we were talking about two-speed pumps back in those days, and encouraging for energy efficiencies, even though no one really cared about energy efficiencies back then, because you would start in, in the spring of the year and turn the breaker on for the pump and turn it off at the fall of the year on Memorial Day, right. or Labor Day, excuse me. So th- th- that was a, it was a long, hard pull to get the industry to embrace it, because many of the service people, were, they thought it was going to take business away from them, just like with cleaners. And with salt chlorine generators, many of them back in those days thought, no, I'm not putting that in. I've, I'll lose my job. Sure. And they didn't realize and understand that there's a lot of, of opportunities and synergies to help maintain that vessel because it's going to be required.
0: Yeah. And it just it, it makes sense for just the way everything is going. I mean, I can order my Starbucks from my phone, and I can walk in and pick it up. I mean, everything has become so simplified these days um, you know, and, and the ability to now program different speeds. That's, you know, that I love that with the automation, I can say, okay, my spa needs to run at 3000 RPMs and my cleaner mode cycle needs to run at 2200, but I can run at 1750, you know, for 20 hours a day. Um, and, and, and keep the pool clean. So it's it's that ability to not have to be doing complex programming out at the pump. If you know, and there's not even all the pumps on the market have that ability to have that kind mm-hmm. of complexity.
1: Yeah, I tell you, Dave, you bring up a good point. When you look back, that on the way that we started out with flip flop driver technology, and from 1975 to around 90, late 90s, there was a span there that not very much movement. In the technology industry. And then by 2000 and 2007, actually, it just went vertical. And when it did that, now the technology is moving, moving fast so quickly that as a manufacturer, it's hard. You put a stake in the ground here, and past, present, and future, there goes the future, there, go, there goes the future, the future, there it goes. The future goes by so fast yeah. now that the, it's in the past immediately. And to keep up with the technology today, especially where it's going at for the future. Because if you think that these cell phones that we're using today are going to be what we're going to be using in the next 10 years, rethink that, folks.
0: Everything is becoming so personalized, and I can make it exactly how I want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what the consumers are
1: demanding as well. Uh, the consumer wants to be able to do all of this. What I used to finally call um, Butler in a Box, which is the voice recognition systems. That's all reality now. As soon as the Amazon came on board, we jumped on that right away, just like we did with the iPhones, and started moving forward with that kind of technology because that's where it's actually heading at. However, the other one is with the eyeball, and that's where uh, things will change dramatically with that. And then, of course, the interactive touch between that gray matter between your ears and then thinking what it is that you want to do in the future. That's, that's where it's ultimately heading.
0: Sure. And where do you see... Um... So if you were to define the broad industry of automation, where are we at right now? Because uh, I feel like we're, we're really, we're, the last like even 12 months or so, we've really kind of changed mm-hmm. and, and joined a new reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, where do you see where we're at and where are you looking 10 years down the road? What are you excited for coming up?
1: Well, again, back in 75, those were the baby steps. We were, we were crawlers. We got to the curtain climbing stage, and sometimes I think we're still there. Hmm. We're still trying to climb up to that curtain and stand up. And no, no, we're not. At, we're in a marathon for sure. So we are moving forward. And again, the dilemma is that we're in the swimming pool business, which makes things a little bit on a tough part because not the three big manufacturers are not going to sell. Uh, we're not selling tens of thousands of a widget a day, right? Because it's the pool business. It's not some of these other industries that are out there. That makes it a little tougher with the resources and. And etc. So, but as the technology moves forward, and what comes out of NASA and other developments between Microsoft and Apple and all of the other companies out there that are developing new ways of looking at things for tomorrow, especially Facebook and Amazon and what they're doing in order to make sure that their customers are satisfied, because we are in an, an instant gratification world. It's it's always been that way, but today it's even at a higher degree.
0: Well, today, the capability didn't exist, but now you can, you, know, you can call Amazon and you don't have to drive down to Target to pick something up. You can call Amazon and, and uh, in two hours they'll have
1: it to your door. Right. So as technology decreases in price, and that's the key that it's got to decrease quite a bit, then we can put sensors on everything that we do that will tell us when something happens before it happens. Because we can measure that particular widget, whatever that component is, and understand that, you know what, we're, we're seeing some inconsistencies here, and the uh, analytics tell us that what's coming down is that this thing's going to fail. So as we manage the resources in the backyard in the future, that's where it's going, but it's all about pricing for us in this business.
0: Yeah, and I think um, for, for the professionals out there, uh, that are worried about implementing it, it actually makes their job better and easier uh, it 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 has gotten to the place where it is fairly complex and you need to be able to drill down and understand the programming. but if you understand the capabilities, um, things like being able to email you or text you when your chemical parameters are off and Uh, As a service professional, the last thing you want to do is walk into a green pool. Well, if the pool is telling you, hey, the chlorine bucket is empty and your ORP is dropping to this set point, Mm -hmm. you can send a service guy over there, refill it, reset it, and everything. Client's never gonna know um, unless they see you walk in the backyard. But it creates a better client environment, and and you look like a hero because all of their neighbors' pools turn green two or three times a year,
1: and your pool never does. You're so right, Dave. That when I when I'm always speaking about managing the resources, and that's what we're doing at Pentair. It's it, it is about the vessel itself, and the integrity of the vessel, the water, the chemistry of the water. But at the same time, when we look at if we can see what's going on with that, because when you put two guys in a truck or one guy in a truck with traffic, he's got a certain amount of inventory that he's that he's got stocked on that truck, and now he has to go out there every day or every week or once a week, whatever the case might be, and manage that backyard pool. Well, if we can see that there's something coming down the line with understanding the 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 resources that's going on there, he can be proactive with it as opposed to have to make another trip out there where it's cost to the homeowner. It's going to wear and tear on the equipment. There may be damage that the equipment may experience because it wasn't caught soon enough. So those things are all very important in the future is where it's going. That's that's a big part of of managing the resources.
0: Now, what about, you know, everybody talks about artificial intelligence, AI, all of that, uh, computer learning. Um, Is that coming to the industry? Is that still, you know, because the pool industry, like you said, it, it, we're a small industry, so we don't have the resources of a an Apple who's, you know, got 300 million devices in America. You know, there's never going to be those kind of resources within the industry. Uh, so what are some of the things where you feel like we're going to be catching up still? And what are some of the things that that
1: are coming that, that you're real excited about? Sure. So Artificial intelligence is, is that exactly. It's artificial. It's not an exact science. So how do you get an exact science out of artificial intelligence? Well, there's a couple of different ways. Um, if we take, for instance, a relay. A relay is an electromechanical device. So we can measure what's going on across those contactors as far as the voltage going in and voltage going out. And we can measure what that, how much heat may be displaced when the points come together. Now, there's no doubt that in the future, relays are going to be very antiquated. We, we need to go strictly to microprocessor technology on every appliance and talk to it digitally through the system. However, right now, we still have relays. So on those relays, that if we can understand what that temperature is across it and anticipate when that relay is going to fail because it was either undersized, or maybe there's something happening with the motor side of it, the the wiring is not sized correctly. All those things come into a factor that with the AI, we can look at that, measure that, and then be proactive in taking care of it. Sure. Yeah, send the alert out to
0: the service Mm -hmm. guy. and, and, And that service guy may not even necessarily know. And it takes some of the Mistrust that clients have as well, uh, if the service guy can say, hey, here's your device is telling me that this needs to be replaced. You know, it, it's not the service guy, you know, homeowner saying, well, I think you just need to make an extra
1: buck this week. Well, no, your, your device is telling me. That's correct. Our IntelliConnect, it's a very entry-level product made for a single body of water. It doesn't rotate valve operators, but it's made for managing that backyard from a homeowner's uh, app on their, on, their, on their cell phone. Android or, or Apple, it doesn't matter. So there is where we are capturing all that information today on those relays. We're seeing exactly what is on and how much energy is being consumed and where it's going. So as, as AI develops and we become better, um, better with AI, we can continue to write that in there into the system and be able to measure it. Sometimes the sensors are, are, are uh, fairly expensive and that adds cost. But right now, just seeing the power go across from line to load, that tells us a lot.
0: But well, to me, as I look to the future, it it almost seems as if the individual devices are going to get more complex and the automation is actually going to probably get less complex because it's going to be more just managing of the devices. Uh, and I think that that will be... Uh, the- Ultimately, that'll be a great thing because then the device itself knows what's going on. Uh, it's like a, everything right now is going to app-based systems. You know, you're not having these real complex programs and hardware pieces and all of that. It's all going app-based, mm-hmm. and that, that seems to be a direction that I feel like we will be in
1: 15 years or so. So you know, I, I finally say that I've been in this business for 38 years or whatever the, whatever the time frame is. That means I've gotten 38 years older. <laughs> Well that means my clients are 38 years younger. Hmm. So when you look at app based stuff, there's a theory and and finally today many of the icons, many of those things that little symbols that you see, they're becoming standardized across the board across all technologies. That's a big help for for both for international because not everybody speaks the same language. So the icon will help them understand exactly what that is because everybody understands what the power Uh, icon looks like. Sure. So today, uh, old guys like me that struggle with technology, um, it's not about me anymore. It's about 38 years ago or younger of those that understand this stuff. They just get it automatically, intuitively. The theory behind it is something that they get. And theory works only after it's been proven that it's no longer theory.
0: I'm in the same boat with you. I mean, uh, how many times do I have to go to my 18-year-old son and say, hey, can you program this on my phone for right. me? Because I can't right. figure out how to change it. And, and within eight seconds, you know, he's got it. It's just because that okay. is his world, and it's been ever since he was born. And so, yeah, I believe that the 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 clients that are coming into the market now, they're expecting this. Mm-hmm
1: yeah Holograms are coming into play there's no doubt, so having a device that that you're going to have hanging on a wall that's going to be passe here in the next number of years, whatever that time frame will be and it 's all about the cost of the technology and how soon that we can bring it into the business
0: yeah and and just I think what we 're really starting to see right now is you know the advent of Siri and mm-hmm. um, you know your Amazon Alexa and all of those devices that are always listening to you. Yeah, technology is a little bit creepy, but it's really nice to be able to sit in the kitchen and and be cooking dinner and say, uh, you know, hey Alexa, add you know more oregano to the shopping list, mm-hmm. you know, and then once a week everything just shows up and they build my account. You know, that's that kind of technology is is becoming so mainstream and it's becoming expected, and and the pool industry is starting to integrate some of that as well. You bet, you bet. So what's what other things what, what Things that you can talk about. Are you excited moving forward? What's some of the what's some of the new frontiers that are not going to be here for a while? But where you're going? You mentioned hologram, and
1: well, the, the biggest frontier for me right now is getting both cheeks in a hammock. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. I want to go drown worms and tell lies. There you go. Yeah, but you got to leave your legacy still. <laughs> That's not my legacy. I tell you, you know, I, I've been. This has been a tr- swimming pool business is a great industry. Sure. And there's a lot of really good people out there, a lot of smart folks. And I've been very, uh, very blessed having a, many of those in my life and, and meeting them and learning from them. But everything I've ever learned is in, in meetings, at, whether it's the, the trade show meetings or whether it's the service meetings. That's where I've learned everything that I've got because i learned it from other folks that said, this is what we need. This is what my clients are asking for. Mm-hmm. So being a good listener sometimes is tough. But being a good listener is really important. Sure. And then asking all those questions as to what would you like to see? It's, if it's Christmas and you could do anything, you want to design something and there's, you could just snap your fingers and make it happen, what would that be? How would it look? How do you want it to operate? And that's where we're at for, t- for tomorrow. That's what we're coming to with the, the capabilities of where technology is heading at, that you'll be able to do that. The the you know the if it's this if it's that IFTTT mm-hmm. that is something to be able to write your own rule book of how you want that backyard to perform safely, efficiently. Those are extremely important. So the future is about how we manage the resources, and the resources are across the board. Everything from when the pool service guy does a startup and he hands the keys to the homeowner and says, "Here's your vessel." and explain to them how it works, and have analytics built into the system so that we can look at it and operate it very safely to make sure that, that the kids are having a good time. All of that is very doable. We have all that technology, and it's growing. Now it's just a matter of how we manage it, from that to the water to the actual structure of the vessel and to how it's going to be serviced and taken care of. And what does the homeowner want? What does the end user actually want? Those things are, are paramount. I love getting into backyards and asking homeowners, why did, they, why did you buy a pool from Dave? What was the deciding factor? I mean, the difference in price many times is they're all within shouting distance of each other. Mm-hmm. So why did you choose this particular contractor? Why did you choose Dave? What was it that, that you said that I'm comfortable with it? Is it the face-to-face? Is because he has integrity and you believed what he said? Is it the reviews on the, uh, on, on the social media? So when you got there, you made that decision, was the equipment a big part of that factor? Most of the time, it's not. It's all about the person representing the vessel. And in our industry, we've got some really good people out there that live with integrity and want to build a good quality product. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is paramount, because we're all consumers, too. All of us are consumers. So when I have somebody come to my house and I expect that person to know and give me answers honestly. Is it about money? Is it about the price? Yeah, many times it is. But it's more important that I am going to receive what it is that we agreed upon. I I wrote a definition of integrity many, many years ago, and that is to be consistent in word and thought. Hmm. And that's so true. And action, and action. Well, to do what's right when nobody's looking. That's that's how you sleep at night. Yeah, you sleep really well when you do what's right when nobody's looking. When you do, when you know that you're doing things that you wouldn't do for yourself that way. Why would you do it to a guy who's paying your salary?
0: Yeah, and it's easy to cover some things up, uh, some of the more intricate details mm-hmm. um, within a cool environment, how much rebar goes in. Most Mm -hmm. clients don't know. They just see, wow, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, And and so there's ways to cut those corners that get literally buried in concrete and never to be seen again until they break. You bet. Yeah. So I am very excited to see where automation continues to go. Uh, The ability, that's exciting for me to hear that the ability to completely customize it to exactly whatever my personality wants. And my setup is going to look different than yours. It's going to look different than, uh, you know, client X or client Y. Uh, that's, that's really fun. And, and just the ability for the systems to be intuitive, um, you know, just simplicity of installation. Uh, but then also that, that they're able to self monitor. I mean, that's, that's that's so great to hear that that's coming and it's on the forefront. The,
1: that the interactive touch from the homeowner to their backyard for that experience is paramount in the future. It is today. And water in transit, as you well know, being a Genesis member, as you well know, water in transit is something that homeowners love. Yep. There's nothing better than the soft sound of water trickling into a pool as well as the kids' enjoying and screaming and diving and laughing those things are memorable times and memories are what are what we want what we make and that's it, it's 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 that's what it's all about as far as with that homeowner that they have a good clean healthy hot heated body of water yeah we sell experience
0: and to be able to have automation just enhance that experience is uh, that that's what I'm so excited about right now.
1: Define gravity is something we haven't figured out to do yet, but you watch. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to <laughs> bend water and make it run uphill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, you'd be surprised at what we're going to be able to do in the future just because of what we can put in that water and how we can make it behave in a very particular way, depending on what that application or what we want to do and where we want it to go. It's there's a there's a, a whole new frontier out there when it comes to uh, with the technology of what we're of what's going on today, especially in NASA. And if you keep up with some of the TED talks and what have you, I tell you what, there's the future is. I'm glad I'm kind of slowing down, but I, because it's hurting my head, cause it's way above my pay grade. But it's fun. It is fun. Uh, and I'm
0: sure you're not going to go too far. You may not be you may not be creating the future, but I have a feeling 10 or 15 years from now, you'll still know what's going on.
1: Uh, we'll see. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This you has bet. It so was a pleasure.
1: Thanks a lot for having me here. It was a lot of fun and really enjoy and look forward to having doing more of these. Perfect. Thanks again.
0: Thanks for listening to the Ask the Masters podcast. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page each week on Tuesdays for new episodes of the show. I also want to encourage you to stop by the Ask the Masters Facebook page and invite other like-minded individuals to join us there as well. Feel free to jump into the conversations and even post your own questions. We want to create a community which fosters learning and discovery for the betterment of us all. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please be sure to subscribe and feel free to share.